G'day, thanks so much for checking out Year Round Carnival each and every Monday. Vince Accardi via his daily sectionals platform analyzes the results from Saturday. And it doesn't matter how much work you do, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. We have members supporting us. We don't have any corporate bookmaker association. And each and every Sunday, I send an email to our members. Well, did we get some feedback for this reason from Jordana and uh, also from Grant? But let's just sum up with this email here before we get to the start of this show. From David, the IVR data is great, but convincing Cludy's dreams in future podcasts. <laughs> Note, I had a small wager on Gigi based solely on his dream. I'm not one to, you know, think too much about dreams, but you wouldn't read about it. I had a dream overnight. How weird is this? I had a dream that Giga Kick was leading all the way right. and, got, and got run down over the last 100 metres. I mean, I mean, how weird is that for a dream, right? Now, I'm not an Eddie Picasso to try and depict it, but okay, why on earth was I dreaming of that horse, right? Out of all of them. Well, I hope right? we're not replaying this on Monday, by the way. Right. TG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals, would you believe it? Giga kick, my goodness. Yeah, well, would you believe it? I had a few emails or say that because of that, they had something on it. It's, I have to say, it's not the first time in my whole life journey that I haven't had a dream about horses, and every time I dream of the horse, they win, Ralphie. Now, did little Vinny back it? No, he didn't, right? So I didn't follow my lead because I was all in on Nature Strip, and it was one of these scenarios where it, I, I was thinking about just a couple of units of plays, but it just I couldn't make the book work the way I bet, right? Yeah. So I just watched it painfully uh, win, right? But grateful that it was communicated so if you want to listen to what we said in full i mean you heard the highlights there in the intro you can just go back we always post what we do completely unedited and whether we get it right wrong or indifferent there it is there but giga kick won the everest we'll get to the caulfield cup obviously but this is what we wrote after sizzlers now and i'll put i'll put it in context this is after the turnbull stakes meeting in our sizzlers which is our black book product Here's the start and what we wrote. Summary. Here's the starting point. Don't be underestimate. Don't underestimate this win due to the nose margin. He's produced a new PB, high sustained pressure race, which blunted his booming close asset. Stalked the lead, going plus two point eight at the eight hundred, which was very fast over three hundred meters from a standing start. 
copped a 1.1 length mid-race slowdown, but specifically 2.8 lengths from the 600 to 400. Was able to pick up with a plus one last 100, but was spent on the line losing half length. Plus 3.5 to plus four is a typical Coolmore winning figure, so something is going to have to run very well to beat him. Is he still trending upwards? Vince, from that 2.6 lengths above benchmark, second on Turnbull Stakes Day, we did not expect him to go to the Everest. Two days later, he gets the Everest slot, and they've all got the money. Yeah, and, and it was very well supported too, Ralphie. I mean, when I say well supported, there was money just continuously flowing because there was easily there was 50s at one stage yep. for this horse. And I, I don't know, it might have been somewhere around 17, 18 bucks in the end. So there was there was good support for the horse. The reality is, of course, just talking business now and moving away from Nostradamus dreams, uh, is the reality of what did it take to win the race? That's probably the big thing for me. I, I wanted to get clarity around that and try and have an understanding what happened. Well, there's two things that happened. Number one, the overall performance for Giga Kick, 4.6 lengths above IVR benchmark. Now, making that two lengths lift, as we communicated in the race speed profile, Ralphie, we did state it wasn't an impossible task. It was it was possible this horse could lift two lengths, right? Yep. But, of course, getting into the fives range was going to be another game. Ultimately, what happened was Nature Strip only ended up with a 3.2. Definitely down on, on performance. Therefore, making the race a scenario where anything around four lengths above IVR benchmark could get you victory. And this is what happened. We got that. And the lanes was the other big factor. Giga Kick was 100% hard in the lanes and got a definite advantage. Now, did it get enough advantage to outperform the others? Well, the reality is the others fell short. Purely, they just didn't turn up to their optimum performance. So... A few things to un unpack there. And just, you know, if you're tuning into this type of show come Spring Carnival, what Vince is referring to as the lanes is just a better ground wider out off the fence at Randwick. So you're uh, saying his fast uh, lane advantage out wide. Everyone's talked, and I say everyone in quotation marks, obviously, you know, the mad speed up front, and that's what busted open Nature Strip. Well, we we've previously said that mad speed up front does bust him open, but even allowing for the ground being a little bit softer, I'm comparing... You know what he's done previously when he's won the uh, the Everest, uh, and I'll get get your race year to year uh, comparison. Last year, five point four lengths above benchmark. This year, three point six, as you said. Early plus one point eight. Then in the mid race, plus six point two. So that's fast and fast. Minus five last four hundred. This is last year. What do you do this year in the comparison? Because to me, looking at your figures, and I can't really adjust for the ground conditions like you can. Just means he, he actually was just plainly below his best. Oh, there's no question about that. A point seven above. That's a that regardless of ground condition. Even if I make an adjustment for that, the horse could have been going two point three, two point four. Right. That's still well inside this horse's wheelhouse. And mid race, not not overly quick. Two point three. No. No. And then it, and then we've had a with the basic basically the horses completely fell in the hole over the last two hundred meters, and for this horse to drop in excess of three lengths of speed over the last 200 metres is, is a lot for this particular horse because it's not typical of its profile because usually to drop that sort of speed late, the pace is generally like first two sections plus 10 to 12. And here we've got to combine two sections of plus three and even if we allow for the day, this is for the two sections, the most I can allow, Ralphie, is somewhere around 
one and a half to two lengths because it, it the 600-metre ground was uh, clean. The 400-metre ground was absolutely, you know, rock-solid G4. And the only bonus that it lost is when the rail is where it's placed at Ramwick, the golden positions are 6 to 12 off the fence. That's yep. like the hot spot. And if you can get your horses in, you know, given the race shape and the tempo, that you can be in those lanes, you will buy. If you're in lane six, you're going to buy about half a length. If you're in lanes nine to 12, you're going to buy about one. So, yes, the horse probably lost in terms of disadvantage. It was probably the difference between running third and fourth, more to the point. So, as I often say on Monday, there's two ways of learning. One is one is uh, when we're happy, one was when we're sad. So, it's not, so this is no... This is totally in hindsight, right? So I'm not saying that you know it was there to be said or anything like that. You were very keen on Nature Strip. You backed Nature Strip. You lost money on Nature Strip. Absolutely. I mean, right. I, the, the what, what happened to me was this, Ralphie, in the morning, and we're just talking strictly business. Yep. I, 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 the way I mark up my tactical strategy, my game plan all along was going to be two by ten, but I needed to get set for a dollar thirty or more a place. Now I got set. Right. The the algorithms, the way I use it, the probability of me running first three was very close to 90%. So I was tempted, I was tempted, was to put two units of place giga kick. This is exactly where I was at. But I couldn't make the book work because it was going to be not enough money in it. And whilst I thought, you know, giga kick was a chance of being in the money, the reality is once you then look at the outlay, and what your return's going to be, knowing that it's going to be pretty thin for Nature Strip, but enough for what I, how I like to play, I, I couldn't go there. So I got set. If I didn't get set, I still wouldn't have backed Giga Kick myself, right? I would have just stayed out of the race. Because whilst I, I'm a, I shared that part about the dream, that was really for the broader audience yeah, to really get an understanding. And I know most of the people don't do what I do. Most of the people will back multiple runners. And in that scenario, if you're that type of investor – Right or player, more to the point, it's easy. You would have with look if I had a played like I used to do fifteen years ago. There's no question I would have backed that horse for a win, giga kick, and if I was lucky enough, I get the money. But that's not the case. So what I want to put to you is this about nature strip, and I, I'm just I, again I didn't say it on the pod, but I was just talking crap to a mate on a Friday. But just one thing was nagging at me, and, and it's this: they aren't machines now. You've often previously said about short breaks, for instance, Zaki last year, and that's why you avoided uh, jumping, you know, doing somersaults, and, and he ended up getting beaten at deep odds on because a, a short break, if they explode first up off a short break, sometimes that can mean that's that's its best for the prep. Now, it went to England. <laughs> it didn't just have yeah. a short break. It went to England and back, and he's, a, yeah. he's an eight-year-old. Now, all the best horsemanship in the world, and he's come back off the plane from England and – you know, ran 3.6 lengths above benchmark, but in a soft tempo race on a soft track. And then he's automatically assumed here comes the old nature strip. Well, old is maybe the word. Well, it's interesting. One of the boys internally shared very similar view to you that there could have been some sort of a challenge of um, nature strip not turning up and running to the sixes, right? Now, the reality is this. I personally... I said to myself, I can't see this horse running less than four. Yep. Now, with a four, this is just, again, this is how I put my algorithm together. 
if I, I expect the horse to run two lengths below its best and I still can't see it missing the top three, that's a high, you know, I rarely miss a place, right? Re- absolutely rarely miss. Like, if I have 100 scenarios like that, I am collecting 90% of the time. Yeah. Now, this horse has turned up and run 3.2. This is below last start where there was no evidence that horse was going to run below that, but the bounce off the short break is a very valid point, Ralphie. And it's something that, again, internally we've been looking at this scenario about when they come off these short breaks, that they can have one peaking run and then that's it, right? Yep. And as it turns out, this is this is absolutely hindsight now, it turns out he couldn't match that performance. Very, very uh, rare to see that coming from the Wallace stable, but not rare off that bounce of break. Well, that's what I want to emphasize. As great a trader as Chris Waller is, in the end, we're talking about an animal, and he has to do all these things. Yes, yes, absolutely. And his performance at Ascot was a a 4.4, and I absolutely thought, well, we got that pinned. Yeah. He's going to run within half a length of that, and had he done that, he would have probably run second, right? Look, maybe if you were in the wider lanes in that situation – could that have been the difference? I don't think it was going to be able to beat Giga Kick in the end based on that run because if he had it turned up and run like he usually does and just puts down his solid performance and can run in the fives as he has, then the horse wins narrowly. Or who knows, maybe Giga Kick lifts even further. You don't know. I mean, that's the quality of Giga Kick. Well, yeah. Well, let's have uh, peel peel back a bit more about projections of Vic, with Giga Kick because, so we we stated we expected you know three and a half to four. You said could he rise two lengths? Well, he has three yes. two point six to four point six. What what what's his trend line? I found it really interesting post uh, post race the interview with Clayton Douglas because again we can do all the work in the world and all the all the different ways of looking at data, but. There are things behind a stable door with emerging horses, and he said, "I've ridden a lot of good horses in track work. Uh, you know, at various stables that he's been at. He said this is the as best, if not better, than all of them, and he's done things that just stagger me. So that means he, he's he's still trending the right way. Well, it's yes, Ralph. He's he's another real big plus on the Rappo platform, Ralphie. Just recently, we've added the live yard communication from the race club." And basically, we get their feed in. So people that subscribe to it get to see the feed. Now, what was really interesting, the person that watches it in the yard there, his communication on that horse was absolutely outstanding. And what I mean by outstanding was he made two vital pieces of clarity to the people that were reading it. Number one was the horse had double handlers, but Compared to the others that had double handed, this horse was completely relaxed. The second part, and probably the most critical part, was he rubber stamped this horse as being absolutely built like a sprinter and a solid one at that. And in the end, that particular play had elevated his thoughts on the prospects of that horse. And that was a further testament to what you just said about the trainer and the opinion. And I have no doubt, even though this horse weakened over the very last 200 metres, you know, dropping only about 0.4 in terms of velocity, let's say the horse got a maximum of one length advantage in the lanes, he still put down a 3.6 on the low, right, if you wanted to be real narcissist, you know, and, and really hard, you know, in terms of the way you want to critique the horse, or he's run right up to his number with 4.6 with improvement to come. Private Eye, 
I reckon we got this guy right, and I say that through this, um, and and we, you know, obviously put a huge stamp on him. Best of the day, so all our members got the uh, communication. What we wrote about him at uh, after that dynamic first up win, and in fact, I will read it because it's uh, it's worth uh, going back to and then putting through the context of what he did. Four point four links above benchmark, best of the day, outstanding return after a good pre race market support, saying he was coming to play. He absolutely did. Plus 0.7800, a 1.5 link slowdown in the mid-race going minus 0.7 before exploding with 7.3 last 400, 4.9 of that, just the last 200. Best last 800 of the day, best last 400 and 200, but the eighth best last 600 also showed slight loss of momentum. Has a PB of 5.4 winning the Epsom and has a potential run past that now set for the champion mile. Last day of the carnival looks absolutely on point. Now, Vince, why I uh, wanted to read that was that then the question was, could he still have the speed in his legs? Well, in actual fact, he's been terrific, but he's actually just regressed a little bit. Yeah, well, he's he, well, and that's that's probably what should happen, right? Yeah. But this is the brilliance. Firstly, we did touch on Private Eye and how great a trainer Joseph Pride is, and, we, and okay, Eduardo, we can come to that. But firstly, the ride of Brenton Abdallah was a 10 out of 10. Why? He put the horse in a positive position. As soon as I seen that horse positive, that's dangerous. Because he then took luck out of it. Because the view for me was, and the way this horse races, stepping back and staying at the 1,200 metres, that he's going to lose speed, which he did. Speed-wise, it was about three, three and oh, about 2.8 lengths behind in terms of that early acceleration. But what he decided to do was press forward and not have to worry about going back and trying to make one run. Because if he had done that, he probably wouldn't run the money, Ralphie. Probably yeah. runs fourth, right? Or fifth. But doing this, he gave that horse every single chance to win. And a testament to Joseph Pride and goodness me, over more ground on dry ground, this horse is going to be impossible to beat. So that's his target, and it'll be in three weeks. So the ideal uh, break between runs. Yep, for well, sure. Stand by. All right. Anything else we should take? I mean, Eduardo's pulled up sore, so that's that's taken that out of the equation. And uh, I should ask you about Jackano. So two point three links above benchmark. Uh, we know what a what a star he is, but the question was, would he have speed in his legs? So um, really, he probably couldn't have done much more at twelve hundred, given he's come back from fourteen hundred. No, I, I felt the horse did really well too because when you look at the closing speed of the horse, you can see that acceleration drop between the four and the two. He has picked himself up over, or picked himself, or yeah, himself up over the last two hundred meters and managed to pick up about half a length speed. And if you look at it compared to Giga Kick, the variable in closing speed was only one length, right? Which is again, from my view, very very solid, giving the big signal. That home straight was uh, absolutely drying, Ralphie, particularly out there in, in those lanes, and oh, you, you couldn't fault it. And, well, you're, you're right about the 1,400 metres is going to be better. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they spell now, but um, uh, we'll see what happens as far as uh, that horse. He's done a fantastic job uh, really elevating from his promise that he was showing as a two-year-old. Uh, let, let's go to a couple earlier races there. The Sydney Stakes, $2 million up for grabs. Well, it was a complete head scratcher. Rocketing by wins at sixty-one dollars. I dare say the dry drying ground really helped it, but really what helped it was the winning figure required was not not big at all. Now it was 0.8 above Ralphie in the end is what was required. 
when you look at the – it's one of these scenarios. See, the speed in this race was 1.5 below first section and rocketing by is 5.9 lengths below. It, it You know, tagging that field about four and a half lengths, as crazy as it is, that's a great place to be yep. in terms of off-lead speed with this sort of race shape. And then when the move came mid-race, again – the squeeze was only 6.4. It was it anywhere near as aggressive as a number of other horses and didn't even break benchmark last 200 metres. Actually de-accelerated to still get victory. In the Congo, it was always going to be a little bit of a test for that horse because fresh 1,200 metres. Myself, personally, would have preferred it over the 1,300-metre race, but in this race there, had to be a live chance to perform. And we own a smart one, was another horse that had been racing really well in Queensland. So the race was slightly behind probably expectations. I'm just wondering if this confirms that the ground just wasn't super firm uh, on one horse, because I want to ask you via the uh, via one of the um, listener questions here. This is from Jim. Uh, would be interested in Vince's thoughts as to where he thinks Apache Chase is at. He looked like he was running to win on Saturday, but just seemed to not give much where it counted. And we know this horse. He, he you know, you can knock it. He, he likes it like a like a you know wo- the wooden table I'm on here. You know, rock yes. hard. Well, we definitely weren't there. We weren't in any rock-hard territory. We were absolutely in, in the S range. Uh, but parts of the track, if you were out wide, like if you are in the last 200 metres and you were, you were in those lanes, particularly if you got to 8 to 12, you were 100% G4. The rest of the track, there were, to me, they were, the, the data was coming back giving the signal that it was a genuine S5, S6 range. That's what the range was. So it was giving the ground not a positive for Apache Cat for sure. Well, well um, in two weeks' time, I think there's the 1300, which is huge money too. So be, I assume in the Congo and Apache Chase will go there. And a, a horse like Apache Chase, he does prefer fast pace when he can lead, which he can only sort of do beyond 1200. And... You know, is a big lover on real dry ground too. Like, yeah. it's a thumper on real dry ground. Like, it can really use the speed in the track to enable its velocity. Uh, in race eight, Valana's one. It looked impressive. Uh, the figures, not overly so. So, I'm probably asking you this via the context of the Golden Eagle in a couple of weeks. Well, one thing for sure, we probably touched on in the. In the podcast, Ralphie, I was really excited about this particular horse yeah. in this race. And performance-wise, <laughs> realistically, it won pretty comfortably, right? Yeah. And for a first-up performance of 0.8 above, that was, uh, in my view, a good good performance. Was it like right to its top? Well, you've got to remember, its PB is only 1.7. Yep. So to turn up and run 0.8 above... It was, again, the franking of what we'd been talking about with the team internally that this particular stable has had the majority of its horses extremely forward, fresh, and this was going to be no exception. That's why I ended up elevating it to the top, Ralphies. When I went back and had another good look at that Rose Hill trial, I said, hi, this is doing exactly the same. We, the stable has got this horse extremely forward, which is fantastic because... If I look at the last 600 metres of this horse, here's the interesting thing, Ralphie. Between the 8 and the 600, the horse is travelling 2.3 lengths below benchmark. Now, if we look at the early speed, the horse is travelling 3.9. So the move's only about 1.5, uh, 1.6 lengths in terms of speed acceleration. And then you see the, the increase. It's gone from 2.3 to 0.4 below. Let's call it close to benchmark and maintain that all the way to the finish line. 
that's a, a solid run, but it's not a gut-busting run, so which is very important. Yes. Uh, race nine, the uh, the five diamonds prelude, the million dollars. My goodness! And uh, on on the Friday, Vince, it was just a head roll off. How good how good a thing is Ellsberg? By the Sunday, there was queries about you know would the firming ground give Erton a bit of a chance? Well, here it is in the data. Uh, and what you were touching on before, prior to the 400 metre mark, the the track was genuinely soft. So we started, I'll just use the official SP, $2.80. If someone said he's going to lead at minus 5.5 below benchmark and still only going minus 4.6, what odds should he have been at the, at the home turn? Well, Ralphie, for myself, <laughs> whilst I'm not a, a uh, professional in terms of marking price of horses, I always you know, have a feel for myself, right? Yep. And the horse was always going to be $2. It just had to be, right? Yeah. Now, unless the track was rock solid, you could see right from the get-go that we were going to be, you know, they were running, you know, benchmark raw speed, right, from the early race one or two, then maybe it's a 250 chance. Beautiful. Uh, well, he's, he's done the right thing. And uh, speaking of doing the right thing, the Kosciuszko, well, there's two ways of looking at it. One, the uh, the great story for the uh, Battlers, $2 million in total prize money, million uh, million first prize money, and well done to, to the front page team. But for, for us on the Sunday morning, you were very keen on it, and uh, it just got to the front. And how good a performance is this? Because this is what we could line him up with, apples to apples. Yeah, all right, we're not going to expect him to be in Everest territory, but he's, he's actually run better than the uh, Sydney Stakes. Oh, Ralph, he's, this horse has run superbly. And what a price they gave. There was some <laughs> there was some prices on the weekend, right? That, okay, are they kidding me? Are they kidding me? I mean, that's what's beautiful because we do know as we get deep into the carnival, like in the last week, everything looks like value, but it's actually not because <laughs> it's so tough in terms of the competition. Like instead of getting down a one or two chances, there's like six or seven that could win, right? Genuinely win. And therefore, even if they serve you up four, five, six dollars, it might look like value. The reality is it's not, right? Because it's so tough just to get one of those slots. But this particular horse, when, when it went forward and it was travelling, I said, this is going to be a very hard, hard horse to run down. Wasn't it travelling comfortably? Yeah. It was just yeah, a happy and, horse. And uh, the ride too, one length above benchmark first section, increased the pace. But how? Uh, what I loved was this. You see the squeeze was only 0.4, Ralphie. Beautiful. They could that The rider could have easily overextended yep. in that mid-race, but didn't. So that just shows how well the rider's going and judgment. And then, yes, there was deterioration very, very late with the horse. But, of course, you've got to remember this horse was coming out of lane two. It's 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 definitely not the fastest part of the track. I was thinking that. Get get wider, get wider, son. Yeah. So that's the only thing he could have done better. Uh, would have held his ground a bit more and probably the deacceleration would have been a length less. So 69th best last 200 of the day and got the money. So he was yep. tanked out late, and that's how you ride a front runner. So well done, Tyler Schiller. Probably could have got a bit wider, but you don't get paid any more for margin. So uh, well played there. And uh, j- just to round off with Vince, just because he's such an old ripper, Cascade didn't talk us through that. Was that was there, was there pace on in race three? Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, what, what's going on there? No, seriously. When I seen this horse go, I, I go ran through its mouth or something. Was what happened? We're talking. I'm saying I hope the bit ran through its mouth or something because you'd want to have an excuse for that. Oh, you've got to have an excuse for that because this horse was definitely out to beat Usain Bolt. Because <laughs> if you look at its profile in Australia, the fastest gone in its life was plus 1.2. Right. And here we go, we're going plus 10.1. To me, that looked like a, an act of 
let's go fast. Maybe this is our tactic to win. Maybe that was the strategy for the stable. Perhaps this is my view, right? That the strategy was we might be able to bust this field open. Oh, here we go. So I've actually got the sewage report. Okay, what, what's um, happening? He added, Zarek con- commenced to race keenly, refused to settle, and for this reason he allowed to stride forward near the 1,200 to cross surf dance. He said as he allowed Zarek to stride forward, it continued to race too keenly despite his efforts to restrain set too fast a tempo. So the jockey just couldn't hold it. No, not his fault. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm calling bullshit on that, okay? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's okay. what I'm calling. That's, I'm calling it bullshit. That's it. Uh, because, from my view, yep, that looked very strategic. Okay. Now, I know hard to hold the horse down. I, I get it. 400, 450 kilos. I understand, right? I, I've no, I'm, I'm not a rider of horses, but it would be a hard job. But come on, there was no pressure from anybody else, right? Yep. This horse is the fastest the horse has ever gone. Is plus one point two Ralphie. That's not in the horse's profile. Now, when I look at coming into this race, and let's break down the, the structure, it had already had two runs plus a barrier trial. The barrier trial was good, Ralphie. So yeah, the horse must have been feeling fantastic and said, "Let's go." And I, I just, well, you could see at the six hundred, you thought this horse could pinch it. Yep. But not when you've got a horse like Cascading going to chase you down and get into those lanes, potentially. And that's the difference. Gone for 5.2 lengths below benchmark. Now, mind you, if you take it purely off the lead speed, lead speed no way could you catch it. But the real lead speed was plus 2.1 surf dancer. And therefore, you're 7.3 lengths from the real speed because there's a lone leader. Yep. And basically, you're still inside that elastic band and you're good enough if you've got the ability to do it. And the squeeze was big. It was 10.1. Uh, look, uh, of course, like everything, when you get a horse like this, you'd love them to pay, you know, heaps more money <laughs> if you can get it. But you know, they're not that silly, are they, the court bookmakers? No doubt at all. All right, let's have a look at Caulfield. Firstly, uh, this was remarkable. How did Caulfield play after a hosing during the week? And obviously, you know, the, the, the Caulfield side of town, south of Melbourne, if wherever you're listening to this, um, you know, missed some of the dreadful floods. And, and, you know, obviously our thoughts go out to everyone who's copying it in, the, in central Victoria at the moment. But um, we... we we did our work on the Friday and the Saturday morning based on it being uh, S7, H8. And how, how do you actually assess how the track played at Caulfield? Well, that for, to the 800-metre mark, it was very evident. It was somewhere around six lengths below standard. Obviously, the track, in my view, again, you know, that 600-metre point was only 0.63, but you got that situation. So when they're... We articulated it in even in the race speed profile. The big challenge was always going to be that 550 to 350 meter mark, to or even the 300 meter mark. That that's going to be off, and they're going to probably want to scout wide. And you could see it was off. It it was compared to the 600 meter point, Ralphie was off about two lengths. Yeah. So you you definitely had a two track play in, and then that last 200 meters that that was the best part of the track, Ralphie. It was around point nine. Above, and the reason for that is you're out deep in those lanes. You're going to get faster ground. It's going to be firmer. So depending on how you were set up race-wise, you were going to have an opportunity, but your biggest advantage was could you get deep enough and accelerate home? And when they're swinging, because you could see all the – and this is exactly what 
internally we felt was going to happen was that they're going to track well off the fence, therefore sets up the play for horses midfield or further back if they're capable, of, you know, you know, with the race mechanisms, that they're going to be a storm home, particularly later in the day in those wide lanes and be very dangerous possibilities of winning. All right, so the Caulfield Cup, tell you what, if anyone reckons, and we talked about you with your dream, <laughs> if anyone reckons luck isn't a big factor in this caper, they are kidding themselves because there it was uh, Saturday at, uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, Durston wasn't running. Wasn't even running. So whoever backed the winner of the Caulfield Cup, uh, backed the horse uh, who um, who wasn't going to run at 7 o'clock. And then there's a scratching, it gets a run. So it wins, knocks off gold trip. Bit of pain for us, Vince. <laughs> so, break it down, though. Here's my starting point to put to you. Last year, on similar soft ground, you know, it was soft ground last year, soft ground this year, the lead speed was plus 0.9 above. Uh, Delphi was leading for Ollie last year when, when Incentivise smashed him. And how much slower were they going this year? Well, here, you got a nice order, 16.9 below. <laughs> so this is raced year to year, this race, almost in the same conditions, uh, 17 lengths slower. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and this is, well, obviously, that part of the track was <laughs> Jesus. But yes, this is the this is the scenario of the race, and therefore, of course, where do you want to be? You don't want to be too far from the lead pack, and you could see how hard it was for a lot of horses. But I felt the ride of Durston was fantastic, really deep in the lanes, Ralphie. Even Gold Trip, whilst we're unlucky now for myself, being selfish because of the way I like to operate. I mean. How on earth could you almost get $5 a place? I'll tell you, but keep going because I'll yeah. tell you how you How did. on earth could you get almost $5 a place gold trip, right? Where I'd mark the horse rock solid 80% probability running first three. Yep. And again, my expectations, I would have been over the moon $2, $2.20 a place. Like I was, I would have been saying I've stolen money at that price, but the Four fifty, four eighty, like four fifty. That's on the tote, Ralphie. That anybody could have got, and obviously had the race parcelled up in the end. Other than close to the last handful of strides, and this was all lane scenario as well, Ralphie. And then you had a horse like uh, Durston get up and win, and overall score one point four above IVR benchmark. You just summed it up, Ralphie. We knew this was going to be down. Yep. On previous years, and, and unless Gold Trip was going to turn up and run fours, I, I actually thought the horse Gold Trip was going to run about plus two, Ralphie. And that's how I pinned it internally, that this horse will run at least plus two. It didn't quite get there. So before we ask some more about Gold Trip with, with Durston, um, its profile was it was rock-hard fit so because it won the Wyong Cup and the Newcastle Cup, ran in the Randwick uh, in the uh, Metropolitan, of course. There's an import. He had, uh, what did he have? He had two trials with just one run in each. So at Flemington, uh, August 2021, he then uh, won on Corfu Cup Day, the mid-carnival, then missed 290 days. So I assume some kind of setback. But he'd really had that slow build into this uh, prep. And you like it when they have long breaks? Yeah, I do. And from a perspective, if you're looking at – Firstly, to get this is the uh, an insight on how you can make an assessment on a horse, how they could potentially have a campaign. Firstly, you look at that first up run off the long break. Now the margin six point three, so you want to discount that. But the actual IVR figure was a five point nine below. That's a good return for this horse, given that the previous two Australian runs 
the horse was had a, a trend line figure of minus 1.7 and minus 2.8. So just marginally off that, right? And then you could see through the campaign going into the very last run at Randwick over 2,400 was a minus 3.3. So the horse had trended right up to improve on that run. Now, was I, would I have expected this horse to run plus 1.4? No way. Yep. The lanes were definitely <laughs> had got the gift in the lanes. No but question. also off a slow tempo. I'm looking at all four of his starts leading in. So let's even ignore that miss at uh, at Randwick in the twentieth. But the Wyong, Newcastle, Randwick, and the Caulfield Cup—they're all walking tempos. They were, but you've got to go back to the early campaign. Yep. Fifteen hundred meters, two and a half lengths below benchmark. Fifteen hundred meter listed race. That's yep. good speed. Yeah. Then you look at the 2,000-metre run, right, where it got beaten a million miles, right? This early speed was four lengths below benchmark, and the horse completely compounded over the last 400, probably, you know, giving an indication that something might not have been 100% right, but it looked like a big conditioning blowout. But then have a look at the run after that, Ralphie, Wyong 2,100. The pace wasn't that big, 9.9 below, but look how solid the speed was of the horse over the last 800 metres. They were all above benchmark, the splits. So giving the signal about how strong the horse was in terms of its the ability to maintain speed under certain duress. Of course, you're 100% right about the subsequent two starts. They were well below benchmark, but the horse had already had tremendous baseline fitness. In fact, you've made and- Sorry, yep. Vince, you've made me look this up. On the 30th of uh, <laughs> of uh, July, that first up run you mentioned? Yep. Who came third? Gold trip. It's unbelievable. Yep. The Caulfield Cup Cordella <laughs> ran in this race <laughs> on the 30th of, uh, of uh, July. So that little winter cameo, it can be very effective for horses. And Mr Waller, well, we know he's just a master and there's no, no doubt they would have been praying to get a start and... I don't know, you know, what they thought if it could win or not, but they, I'm sure they would have been giving it some sort of a chance because, like you just said, we didn't finish too far behind goal, uh, goal trip, and therefore we have to be a chance. Just wondering, goal trip, Vince, and firstly the price. Well, I, I, everyone can do their own thing. We do our own thing. We appreciate our customers who get behind us. But I'm sure we were the only podcast that never mentioned the all important seven kilo weight swing on Smoke and Romans. Uh, so that's why you got the four fifty the place. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I know the whole thing with Smoke and Roman for myself personally was I just couldn't have it. And I was, I don't like to oppose the market, Ralphie, because I don't sit there wanting to try and defy the market because that's a pretty foolish person if they think in that way. But sometimes when you look at all aspects and you just can't find a reason to see where where you're going wrong in your homework, you have to back yourself, right? Yeah. And this is the case, and I'm so grateful, and, and that's the reason why I got the big prices for that reason, Ralph, just purely for the weight, is it? That That, that is absolutely no doubt it was. <laughs> well, that's a joke, absolute joke. Uh, you know, when will the lights turn on? When will they turn on? When will they turn on? <laughs> what amused me post-race was, you know, summation saying, well, in the end, the lightweight horse, you know, Durston uh, picked off uh, Gold Trip. What about all the other horses with lightweights? Where, where were they? <laughs> Ralphie, let, let's you know, Durston was in lane fourteen. Yep, hundred percent hard in the lanes. Maximum efficiency. The only faster place than fourteen, if you can get twenty off the fence, right? Yep, you would have found another length. And, and, and Gold Trip hung in. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I just wonder, and just a final bit on Gold Trip. 
Just wonder if they'll run behind all the way. You mentioned how heavy he sort of looked when he yep. when he ran first up. And, again, he's gassed out later, even allowing for hanging into the, the softer part of the track. But I just wonder if, you know, big, you know, six-year-old stallion, that they, they just couldn't quite get the amount of work into him on top of the fact that the uh, Caulfield run and the Flemington run, both behind Smoke and Romans, were very slow tempo races. Well, there's a few – well, what, that's – I'm, I'm with you there, Ralphie. But one of the real things that you need to look at here is Zara's a master of the track, yeah. particularly Caulfield, right? Yes. But he did have an overextension between the four and the two in this race. Now, my rationale as to why, he probably said, man, this horse is travelling. Yeah. I've got this field beat. Yes. Let's go for it, right? Yep. No one's going to catch me from behind. And one horse only came to the – That's you can see, Yeah. You can see the overextension, right? Yep. It's a. Uh, two, it's gone from benchmark to plus two point four. What's that do? It means you tank out at the end, right? right. You have just yeah. a little bit of a tank out, and the horse is tanked out about two point six lengths. If you don't overextend and you hold your line, uh, yeah, I'm not a rider, right? And this is not something that you could just magically do, right? It's all on feel. If you were able to just hold your nerves for another hundred meters, probably Durston doesn't run it down. Game of inches. There we go. Yeah. Um, Rob, well. Vince, I was doing a little bit of walling, as we say, just uh, not just gold trip, but monophilia at the huge price here. And looks like Rob was with me here. Uh, hi, fellas. I had a large place bet on monophilia at $6. The place was offered. She was climbing all over him, trying to find a gap. Interested in your opinion, what the clock says. She was pa- past the winner, just past the post. Before I get your thoughts, Vince, also worth noting, at the home turn, they were together. And uh, one's gone wide into traffic. And uh, that's when uh, Durston uh, accelerated and all honours Mickey Day. Yes, well, Monophilia, that run was uh, huge and 100% shouldn't have missed the first three. So on that occasion, that particular person was very unlucky not to collect because you weren't on the wrong horse, absolutely not on the wrong horse and shouldn't shouldn't be disappointed from that perspective. What's really evident, you can see what's happened there between the – Eight to the six, six to the four, there's almost been a three-length drop in acceleration. And this is all about getting your position, find your run. And compared to the others, this horse had clearly the biggest drop in that move. And then you could see how strong the horse was. It was outstanding late. And as weird as it is, that just looked like a phenomenal Melbourne Cup run. If this horse is running the Melbourne Cup, I don't know. But that run just said Melbourne Cup all over me. That That's all I can say at this stage. All right. Well, you, you've given too much because we're going to do a little group one uh, bonus podcast. I'm going to okay. ask you a couple of these for the, for right. the Melbourne Cup. So you're naughty. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I had no idea, Ralphie. <laughs> but I will finish with this from Alistair. Did Smoke and Romans run out of puffs? So it was the favourite that got beaten from your from your numbers. You did say that, you, well, you didn't have it in your most advantage of your, your group of horses and uh, you did oppose the market. What what the numbers say that Smoke and Romans performed? Well, on closing speed, yep. this is what we've got to look at and this is the way to look at it. Is let's just take the, the gold trip and smoke and roam as, as, as an example. The difference in speed at the 800 metre point was about 1.2 lengths. And then when we look at the closing speed of the last 200 metres, in other words, smoke and roam is only going a length faster overall to that point. And then the de acceleration at the end was only 0.7. So I couldn't put it down to conditioning, but I could put it down, just wasn't up to them. 
up to them. I, you know, like couldn't couldn't deliver. Now may, maybe the run before could have taken something out of it, Ralphie. It is possible, right? Yep. And this horse could rebound wherever it starts next if that's the case. So that's why I don't want to sort of box it in a corner and say no. And perhaps we could see something very different from this horse next time. All right. Well, this Friday we're going to do our preview podcast, Cox Plate Day. We're also going to do the Manicato in isolation. There'll be no race speed profiles with the Manicato. We're just going to talk about the race, and then uh, we'll cover the quaddy legs on the Friday and then the full race speed profiles if you want the upgraded package. So go to my website, racetrackrelfie.com.au, to uh, to get that uh, preview podcast. And our Group 1 members, uh, we will be emailing you a bonus little podcast I'm going to do with Vince. I'm going to ask him about not just the uh, the – uh, call for Cup runners from a Melbourne Cup perspective, and we've had a lot of emails such as this from uh, was it from Cam? Hi Ralphie, can you hear Vince's thoughts? If anything out of this Call for Cup looks like it can measure these imports first Tuesday, so Vince's imported knowledge will just be for Vince and for what he does in his Melbourne Cup preview. I'm not going to say we're going to go through any imports, but we will say what type of projections. I'm also going to ask Vince about Mr Maestro and also the Ethereal from a Derby and an Oaks perspective, and there was one unbelievable performance at Caulfield that we didn't touch with yet, but uh, we'll uh, we'll surmise that both in Sizzlers and in our Group 1 member podcast. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to Year Round Carnival.